everyone out in Geek 5 Nation. This is your pal, Dane, on another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We had a glorious last couple days watching some wrestling. Uh, me and my cohort, my co-host, and my uh, sexual partner. Uh, Christopher, how are you doing tonight? Good, man. Did you just say I'm your sexual partner? Is that what you said? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't say that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. I see how it is. I felt loved for a second. Now I feel unloved. A little bit of rejection. Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, before I made it weird, hope you guys are having a good night. We're going to go over some um, some of the pay-per-views that happened this weekend and a little bit of Raw SmackDown for WWE. We've got enough time, uh, you know, talk a little bit about some wrestling. And if you want to ask a question or add an opinion, Give a call at 929-477-3781. You'll be listening at that point. Press 1, and you'll join us in conversation. All right, well, let's go to Chicago. Chicago for uh, a little bit of NXT TakeOver, where they hate horrible uh, impressions of their accent like that. Anyways, uh, NXT TakeOver happened in Chicago, like I just said. Uh, Probably one of the best cards um, from these four shows that we're going to be going over and this is NXT, which I really love. Uh, Triple H is doing great with this project. Um, anyways, so the first match, we had Roddy, Roderick Strong, and Eric Young. Uh, Roderick Strong would inevitably beat Eric Young. Uh, there was a great part where, you know, his, his music hit, and you didn't really know where he was, and then he popped out of the audience and took out the two other members of Sanity and went after Eric Young, and he kind of kept on basically initiating moves so that it would incorporate him taking out one on. It, it was a good match, well-paced. Uh, Strong knocked Young off the top rope to take out the members of Sanity at ringside, then hit a jumping knee strike and suplex backbreaker to win the match. Good stuff. I really like Roderick Strong. Um, I believe he used to be heel in TNA, if I'm not mistaken, maybe uh, uh, when he was originally in uh, Ring of Honor. But... What I would like to say is that I like him as a babyface. Uh, NXT with their video packages has really made me start to like him a lot more. And I also like Eric Young a lot. I think that he's great. Uh, some of the wacky stuff he did in TNA. I didn't know this. He's actually on a Animal Planet uh, documentary show. I, I listened to an episode of um, Stone Cold's podcast, and he had Eric Young. So I like these two guys. Uh, I can't wait to see them on the main roster, and it was a really fun match. Chris, am I babbling too much, and what did you think about this match? Uh, I thought it was actually a pretty good match, and uh, so did Randy Orton because he basically stole the same uh, same beginning of the match by going after the Bollywood boys. <laughs> uh, but overall, I mean, it was a pretty good match. It was, it was a, like right under 15 minutes, I think, and uh, I think both like Young Young's a really good wrestler. I've always liked Eric Young. Actually, own a couple of Eric Young shirts. Um, Roderick Strong, I haven't had as much experience watching, but I've, I've really came to enjoy him since he's been on the NXT roster. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a decent match. Um, some of the interferences with Sanity, them getting into the match as much as they did, kind of made the ref look really, really stupid. But I understand, you know, they're they're trying to build that feud further. So uh, other than that, man, it was, it was a good match. And this whole card throughout the night, I don't, I can't think of one bad match on this entire thing. This entire thing was solid top to bottom. But if I had to pick, like, the weakest match of the night, this would probably be the one. 
and this wasn't even a bad match. So it's kind of crazy to think about. Like uh, NXT kind of hit their mark here, and, and the Chicago crowd was really behind everyone um, and cheering at the right times, and not too many CM Punk chants. So I, I was uh, was overall surprised about this right out of the gate. Uh, so. You know, and it's it's funny. I, I've noticed that the last couple times the crowds have been trying to go for CM Punk, the other basically wrestling marks kind of like shut them down real quick. It kind of like gets started, people start booing it, and then it kind of stops. So I kind of hope that that starts happening. I'd like I'd like uh, to hear people when they're doing a promo and stuff. We've already talked about that, but uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I would actually go for the women's match, but all of them are still good matches, like you're saying. Uh, for the least, at least for me. I, I really enjoyed this match. I understand what you're saying about Sanity. The funny thing about, about Randy Orton's situation is he's got it way worse with the Singh brothers than Roddy did with Demo and other fucking huge guy. Uh, I'm just kidding about that. All right, let's go to the probably the match of the night. Uh, really great match uh, for the United Kingdom Championship. Uh, Pete Dunne was defeated by Tyler Bate, making Pete Dunne the second and new United Kingdom champions. All right, Jim Ross made a guest appearance to call the match. I love the amount of love people are giving him, as always. Uh, Dunn hit Bate in the face with an elbow during a dive to the outside, then rolled him back in and connected with the bitter end pump handle reverse STO to win. Pete Dunn is now the new United Kingdom champion. I have to say, just going into this match, though, in detail, um, Really great stuff back and forth. I I, I like this. Um, what, what Pete done? What did they say? Muscle manipulation or whatever? Uh, you know where he starts tearing out their fingers. And, I mean that shit has to hurt to an extent. So the way they make it look, I really like it. I, I really like the British style of wrestling that's pouring in here between these two and um, uh, Mr. Mr. Umbrella Man. I forgot what the, the hell his name is, but you know. It's it's really good, and these guys, you know, busted one hell of a match in front of us and told a great story and uh, had a lot of uh, ups and downs, and I saw the fastest airplane spin I think I've ever fucking seen, and uh, it was great, and I'm glad that Pete Dunne uh, got the um, title. I, I think that he's going to be a future great heel, and I'm really looking forward to this British promotion. I hope that they actually are able to do more with that Unfortunately, than um, than 205 Live, you can now you can mesh that into SmackDown if you want to, um, you know. But the, the UK stuff, I really would like to see do some stuff. Um, you know, there's a lot of great UK wrestlers. Will Osprey's another one. Zack Saber Jr. So, um, how, how did you like this match? I know that you were you're pretty impressed by it, Chris, right? Yeah, this was my favorite match that WWE put out. Um, throughout, well, the UK show Friday all the way through thir- or Tuesday leading up to today. I think this is the best match out of all of the events that have happened, which was a lot of wrestling. Um, the chain wrestling at the beginning of this was chain wrestling that I actually liked, which doesn't happen that often. Everything these guys were doing looked brutal. Um, specifically, he's working, I, at one point he's just working the wrist and fingers outside of the outside of the ring, which just looked insane, like he was literally trying to break the guy's fingers, which I, I really appreciated. Some great uh, running uppercuts by Bate midway through the match. I think that really got the crowd into it. Um, that triangle choke into the powerbomb, and then right out of that to that airplane spin, like you said, which was just nuts. I think it's the only time I've ever thought, like, huh, that would really suck to be in an airplane spin. 
uh, that was the first. Um, that Tyler driver looks really, really, really cool. And uh, I thought the finish overall was, was, was pretty, pretty neat. Um, man, it was a great match. It's probably one of the best NXT matches I've seen in a long, long time, maybe up there with uh, Sami Zayn's last match or uh, Zayn and Cesaro when they went at it. That was that was pretty good. I, w- I would put it up there in this, some of the top tier matches that NXT has had thus far. These Both these guys really impressed me. Um, and I saw their first match, but this one to me was even better. So uh, I, I want to see more. I want the rematch really bad. I feel like this rematch should be on the next big pay-per-view, like on, on the undercard or something, instead of their normal uh, five-minute match bullshit or whatever they like to do on WWE. Like, why not have a UK championship match? Because I, I think it would be awesome. This was this was great all around. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you, and I completely dig. I, I have to I have to get a hold of JR. Like, that's easy, too. Um but I, I want to play with him uh, the game that I like to do of, of pick wrestlers that remind you of wrestlers because he made two great calls during the match at one point. And the funny thing is I was just watching some matches uh, with him in it. But at one point, uh, Tyler, Tyler Bate was taking uh, Pete Dunne off the ground and then into a suplex and one, you know, slow but really effective move. And he compared him to uh, Bob Backlund. And I was like, wow, yeah, I can see that. And then he, of course, said Pete Dunne reminded him of a fifth Finley. Uh, so I think that he is my um, my kindred spirit when it comes to annoyingly trying to compare wrestlers, which I'm sure they hate in turn. But uh, let's, let, let's move on to the uh, women's match. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. This was a good match from what I remember, but I've watched it twice, and I can't remember in detail any of the fucking spots. Uh, but it was a triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. Asuka beat uh, Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross. Um, I really like Nikki Cross. I think she's terrifying. That last promo she did on NXT where they were interviewing her and she wouldn't say anything and then she tried to attack one of the guys was awesome. Ruby Riot, um, kind of, i got to admit, they kind of shoved her in a little bit uncomfortably. Uh, you know, from my liking, at least. But, uh, you know, she's kind of working out. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Asuka. They're trying to make her look like she lo- like she loves the fans in front of their face, and when she walks around the corner, she's, like, complaining about it. Like, and, like, no one's good enough for her. It's going to get her beaten, but I want to get Asuka into WWE soon, so that's, I guess, inevitably what needs to happen. You know, we need to have Charlotte Flair's, you know, just like her dad, she needs to face her great Muta. So she needs to go up there, get something happening. I still love Juwan's idea about uh, letting um, Paul Heyman be her mic piece. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. Shinsuke, I think, could do it by himself, but this is a conversation from last week, so we'll keep on going. Anyways, so right hit a wind-up overhead kick on Cross and went for the cover, but Asuka broke it up with a running kick to Riot. Asuka then pinned both her opponents to retain the championship. She literally pinned both of them. How did you feel about this match, um, Chris, do you have a do you have any fond memories of it? Uh, all of the submissions that Oscar locked in, I thought were were pretty cool spots. Uh, that was probably my favorite parts of the match itself. Ruby Riot, I just her character does nothing for me. Um, I get she's like a girl, Sami Zayn, I guess, supposed to be like a punk rocker or something. I, I yeah, I, I don't. It's like a mix of Bailey and Sami Zayn, so I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Nikki Cross is fine. She kind of reminds me of, like, Daphne or, like, a Rosemary Light. 
she seems like she's kind of going for like Rosemary's gimmick in TNA and maybe not pulling it off as well, but it's still effective in the confines of WWE. Um, the match itself I thought was pretty good. It had a messy, messy finish. I, I think they kind of botched the finish, or maybe I just missed something, but it just the finish itself at the end kind yeah, of left me wanting more. But other than that, it was I mean it was a pretty good match. It was better than the last uh, Oscar match I watched. So uh, it, it, this match is a setup for you know Oscar versus Ember Moon. That's I mean that's what they're building building towards. So that's gonna be that's gonna be my guess of what's gonna happen next. Um, or they're gonna debut a new person to beat Oscar, one of the two, to get her up to the main roster because they, there's no reason to keep her there now. Um, I feel like that they're just missing an asset they could throw in on you know either Raw or SmackDown to give more challenge that. And, and just difference to their uh, their women's division. Over under 60 percent that the next match Ember Moon beats Asuka and Asuka makes her way to the main stage. Um, are you asking me my over under on whether that's going to happen? Yeah, over under sixty percent of Asuka losing to Ember Moon and then making her way up to the main stage. For the next takeover, I think I might go. Uh, I might go under slightly because I don't know if they're going to be finished with Cross and Riot with Oscar. So this next match might be about like a four way or something. I could be wrong, but they may they may try to draw her out to to a big pay per view and have her debut at a big pay per view or something. So I'm just hesitant. So I'll go under fifty percent, probably thirty forty. Okay, I, I get that. I, I would go above, but, you know, you could be right, too. I just think that she's definitely going to be making her – I think that transition is going to happen at some point. Um, I think it's going to happen before SummerSlam, but I don't know how many takeovers are from now and then. So, anyways, let's go to the next match. This is actually not the last match, but this is the NXT Championship match with Bobby Roode defeating Hato Itami. Really great match. Um, I have to say that I've seen – I've not seen his stuff over in all all uh, all Japan um, as Kenta, but I've seen some of his other stuff. I think that Atami's gotten better. Uh, I think this is one of his best matches that I've seen. Uh, at one point, Atami connected with a GTS, but Rude fell out of the ring. Atami went for his second GTS, which Rude countered into a sunset flip. He went for his third, which Rude countered into a rolling glorious DDT to pick up the win and retain the championship. That ending was great. Um, I really like Bobby Roode. He's another guy that needs to go up soon. I don't know. He already he just worked with Hideo Itami. For that, Cassius Ono. You know, it's he's going through pretty much everyone on the roster. I think Aleister Black might be the guy to beat him. I don't know. I just know that he's got a lot of uh, steam. But uh, how did you like this match, Chris? I thought it was a really, really good match. And if we didn't have such a great UK match, this probably would have been my favorite match of all the events. Um, I loved the selling uh, between both these guys, one selling me, one selling the uh, the shoulder, not being able to hit their – their, I almost said stupors because I've been playing too many video games. The finishers um, during this match at, during different times, and then both opponents, you know, working on those areas. It, it kind of reminded me of, like, an old school – it had, like, an old school, like, an, a 70s or 80s wrestling flair to it a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with Bobby Roode and the way he works. Uh, uh, Tommy, I'm not a huge fan of, but I did enjoy this match. I thought he did really well in it, so I don't have anything, you know, super negative to say about him. Um, 
he just seems like a guy to me. I, I don't see a star when I see him, which I guess is my main problem with the Tommy. Uh, but Bobby Roode and is was awesome as always, uh, and the match was really good. And I like the uh, rolling out spot. Like, did he hit him so hard that he went out of the ring, or was Roode so smart that he knew to roll out? And they kind of played that off in the commentary, which I appreciated. Uh, it was a good match, right under 20 minutes, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked it better than the Roode Nakamura matches, so. That's a good thing, I guess. I think that Tommy definitely complimented um, Bobby Roode better than, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. That's got to be pretty hard is, is, is going through a match, even if you worked over the spots beforehand, but just doing the, like, the, the stuff, the transitional stuff, it's got to be hard if like, you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier. So I commend uh, Bobby Roode for that. But like you said, good match altogether. Um, I'm wondering where Bobby's going to go from this. But like I said, I think that he's going to be, if anything, I think a Tommy's got a good chance to go into cruiserweight. Uh, while obviously we could see Bobby Roode with the title one day. Uh, he's definitely got that type of potential and that type of heat. But let's keep on going through these matches. The last match is the NXT Tag Team Championship ladder match between the Authors of Pain and DIY. Great. All right. It's kind of frustrating because there's some great stuff in this match. And then there's some lack of finesse uh, when it came to setting up ladders and setting up spots and some stuff that's like, I mean, it's going to happen, but it looked too, uh, too choreographed, if that makes sense. But a lot of other great stuff. These guys put their body on the line, so I really appreciate that. Uh, DIY had their hands on the belts. The Authors of Pain pulled the ladder out from under them. The Authors then pulled them down and hit a superior collider before climbing and pulling down and retaining their tag team championship belt. So, really good match. Um, the spots with the ladder outside, like I said, they kind of put together kind of clunky, but really looked painful when they went through with it. Uh, the, the guys... Did great. I, I think even the big guys did it great. Um, I liked when El, or Elring um, got knocked down and he was still giving orders to, like, take him out and stuff like that from the ground. It was it was great. Anyways, uh, the big thing about this is that after the match, just as the show was going off air, uh, Kampa turned on Gar- Gargano, tossing him into the stage screen and kneeing him in the face multiple times. Kampa then pulled Gargano onto the announce table and slammed him off it through a bunch of tables, basically, and really painful because we all already saw Gagano get hit in the face by the ladder. I've heard that he did get he got pretty messed up actually from that that spot, um, and uh, then he had to do all this afterwards. So apparently they're going to take out DIY and um, make them two singles competitor. They'll probably do you know something together. Um, I think they're definitely going to be 205 wrestlers. They, they could do some other stuff. I mean, it depends on how, how Gargano comes off as a baby face and how Kappa comes off as a heel in the next couple months or however long they decide to do this whole thing. But my, my uh, question is, you don't have a lot of strong tag teams per SmackDown and Raw. Why would you take out one of your upcoming strongest so I'm going to pass with that question of what you think about that, Chris, and then tell me how you like the match, and then obviously afterwards the big reveal. Well, I, I think that 
they broke them up now because you're going to get a huge draw to that match for the next takeover. Um, I heard that uh, Campa got injured during that match. I'm not sure how serious it was, but that was something that's been floating around. I think they talked about it on Wrestling Observer and a couple other podcasts. So I'm not sure how serious that is or how far this match is going to be down the line, but I'm assuming that's uh, that's going to be where they're going. It's just that match itself is going to be a bigger draw than another tag match. And then they can always put those guys back together if they do, like, a couple battles. And, and you know, it, it depends on how they want to book it. But you can always put DIY back together if that's something they want to do. Um, or maybe they just see these guys going separate ways or or whatever, maybe splitting one to Raw and one to SmackDown and then having them lead up to, you know, one of the joint pay-per-views or even a Survivor Series or something like that. There's tons of stuff you can do to, to build this out more. But I think it, the whole thing is short-term drawing for NXT. And uh, the hill turn itself was pretty great. In the match, there was some sloppy spots, like you said. For the most part, though, I would say they did some wider spots that I haven't really ever seen. There was one where uh, one of the guys from Authors of Pain, I can't remember which one, was carrying a ladder, and uh, Campa, I believe, just ran up it as it was <laughs> in the air to try to leap and get the belts, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, there was that ladder shot when he pushed, uh, when Gargano pushed Camp out of the way and took that shot to the uh, to the face. It, I don't know if he was supposed to get his hands up or if he was supposed to get hit in the chest, but whatever, he got blasted oh. right in the face. That was super scary. Um, I, I don't think that that was supposed to happen. There was a pretty sick German suplex through a wooden ladder, so that was kind of crazy. Um, I thought it was neat that they were using wooden ladders instead of, like, the gimmick metal ladders that they use on uh, the, the uh, Raw or SmackDown pay-per-views. So I thought that was kind of odd. I don't know if you noticed that, but they were – it looked like some of the ladders are the ones that they were using for those spots were made of wood, which was kind of unique. Um, other than that, I mean, the Authors of Pain went over really strong here. I thought it was a good match for them. There, there wasn't too much – I mean, technically, you know, the manager got involved, but there wasn't, like, too much heel bullshit at the end. They just got a clean win. Um, it looked really strong. So I think that's good for them as a tag team. I don't know who they're going to go against next. Uh, but overall, I, I thought that was a good win for them. And then the uh, the hill turn would look. I mean, it looked pretty brutal, especially because you had the spot. The, the whole spot with him being blasted with the la- uh, the ladder was like, look, I'll do anything for this guy. I'm, I'm here to save him. And I think that really built and helped with the, or at least for me, it built and helped when the hill turn actually happened uh, at the end of the night, which I didn't expect it at all. So they got me there. I really didn't expect it. I mean, he was getting fuck you camp a chance and like so it, it, it he got heat so that's good and you can build off that they can have good matches out of that um right now i'm not thinking about the main roster for these guys i don't know where, what they're going to do with that but uh the big things coming out of this show is is going to be this rivalry and who's rude going to fix face next because you have to feel like the uh, atami uh, feud is done maybe there's going to be a new number one contender uh, and then uh, what's Asuka doing. So th- those are my three big takeaways from the show, and my match of the night was definitely uh, definitely the U.K. title match. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Well, it was a great great event. If you guys aren't checking out NXT out there, you guys are missing out. Um, they're, just, they're doing different things, and I, I think that this is going to be our future platform. Um, I don't know that. It might be Triple H's way of trying to make like a Ring of Honor-esque type of show, but I feel like that might be his version of the company once he takes over for Vince. Uh, we'll have to see. But good show altogether. Great, great, great wrestling. And uh, you, you, you said something. 
If you guys want to, if you guys know it's a botch job ever, which I hope it doesn't ever happen, but it does, and usually no one gets hurt too bad, but watch the people that did it on accident. When you watch the Powers of Pain, after they hit Gargano, you could tell both of them were like, oh, shit. Like, we definitely hit him too hard. Uh, that happened twice on the next uh, pay-per-view that we're about to talk about with Backlash. At one point, um, the Uggos, if you will, uh, they, they, they were taking Fandango and they were throwing him over the gate into the WWE universe. Well, the only problem is there was a small family sitting right there. So, luckily, both brothers were able to grab Fandango from actually, like, nailing the family their facial expressions afterwards were like shit. And then, of course, we know about Randy Orton throwing Singh Brothers like it's nothing and fucking having that wonderful uh, facial expression. So, good stuff. Uh, let's, let's stop botching. Anyways, I think we got Jawan now joining us. Uh, Jawan, we're about to talk about Backlash. What are you doing right now? Are you in the shower? Uh, no, you would not be that lucky. Um, but I'm excited to talk Backlash with you guys. Yeah, for real. All right, so let's get into Backlash, guys. Does that sound lovely? All right. It's Backlash. I guess we'll go over this Ty Dillinger match. Hey, WWE does not know what the hell they're doing with Ty Dillinger. But Aiden English is getting over. Yeah, so Mr. Ten uh, defeated Aiden English, but he came out there, started doing his singing and whatever. It was pretty damn funny. Uh, In the match, he lost to Dillinger, who pinned English uh, after a tiebreaker. I don't think they have any clue what the hell is going on with Ty Dillinger. Um, uh, how did you feel about this match, Juan, or did you, were you able to see us? This is during the pre-show, basically. Um, actually, I think I missed that match on the pre-show. That was the only match in the night that I think I missed. It wasn't, it wasn't much of a match. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about uh, good old Ty Dillinger? Oh, man, I I didn't really like this guy in NXT. Uh, The match itself was fine. I thought he was fine on Talking Smack afterwards. His gimmick basically just annoys me. So it's going to be hard for me to say anything positive about him because he's the one that started this 10 fan chant, which is, like, really annoying to me for some reason uh, when the ref's counting, like, an outside count, and you just hear 10, 10, 10. I get it's over, and I'm glad other people like it, but it's definitely not for me. Thing. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand what you're saying. Uh, Ty's got that certain appeal. I think it's more charisma than at least what I'm seeing, ring ability. Um, I don't really know. Uh, but I do agree with you. The whole 10 thing's really annoying, especially when they're doing a 10 count. Um, I think we got I think we got someone on, on hold. So let's take a phone call real quick. You're on with Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Who do we got? Hey, this is the Maharaja. The Maharaja himself. Is this the Maharaja. India, number one. India, number one. India, number one. It is pretty much number one in India. Well, Mr. Uh, Jinder Bahal, uh, how do you feel about winning the title, and uh, how, how, how did you like Backlash? We we call it back back rash because no, I'm like, juice. Like uh, I I got the back rash. Right. All right. Well, anyways, we're gonna keep on going with the stuff. Um. God dang it. Well, guess what? 
I was trying to get rid of whoever that wonderful person was. I think it was the Maharaj, uh, but I accidentally got rid of Chris. So I hope he calls back in. Um, so it's me and you, Juwan, to go over Backlash until Chris calls back in. You'd think that I would know how to use the board. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, Chris, sorry about that. Anyways. That's cool, man. Uh, Drop me off. <laughs> it, was another, it was another Georgia number, so I know it's a friend of mine, but I have no clue who it was exactly. Um, anyways, let's get in the backlash. It was the Maharaj. Uh, not, it was the Maharaj. I didn't believe him. Um, so we had our first official match. I don't know why they they started off with Shinsuke Nakamura and Dolph Ziggler. Um, they really built the whole pay-per-view off of this being Shinsuke's first big thing. But then if you look at the last couple of pay-per-views, they started off with a big match. So I don't know exactly. Uh, but... It was a pretty decent match. It wasn't anything special. I've seen Shinsuke do some really, really cool things in the ring. Uh, but basically, uh, towards the end of the match, this was uh, Nakamura's main roster in-ring debut. Ziggler dominated uh, a good portion of the match until, obviously, Nakamura does his thing. He turns it on and starts getting a little bit crazy. He hit a, a zigzag but only got a two. Nakamura came back with a King Shasha to win the match. Um, Chris, how, how did you like this match, Uh and why did they put it on first? Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't know why they put it on first, other than maybe they were afraid no one wanted to sit through the rest of the pay-per-view for it. Which would be my guess. <laughs> this pay-per-view so. wasn't very good. Um, but the match itself was okay. I, I kind of expected a stronger win. It seemed like Nakamura took most of the beating in that match, which was kind of weird. I assumed that he was going to get way more offense in. It was just kind of a weird match altogether. Um, wasn't a very strong debut for Nakamura, in my opinion, coming off the NXT, but that's my personal opinion, I guess. Juwan, this is probably one of your first times seeing Shinsuke Nakamura in the ring. How, how did you like it? Um, I love it, to be completely honest. In a ziggly ability. Uh, uh, Juwan, you are really... breaking up pretty badly right now. Hello? You sound Hello? like you're underwater, like kind of aquatic. Is that better? A little bit, yeah. Sorry, is yeah, that I better? Can hear you now. Yep. All right, sorry. Um, I was saying I love the match. I'm a huge fan of uh, Ziggler. Um, and it is my first time seeing Shinsuke Nakamura. And from the looks of it, I am definitely behind him uh at the next pay-per-view, Money in the Bank, to try to, you know, for him to get an actual shot at a main event title rather than them building him up through the mid-card. I completely agree. And it is going to be interesting with Shinsuke now a part of the main roster. Can't wait to talk about SmackDown. That was a really cool announcement for a good match. And I I think that basically talking about breaking down the Bobby uh, Roode-Nakamura fight, Bobby Roode had way better chemistry just naturally with – Tommy, and I think Shinsuke actually had some pretty damn good chemistry with Dolph Ziggler. So I think they were a little bit better of a pairing. And that's why I think they're sending them forward. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's go to our next match. SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Uggos, a.k.a. the Usos, defeated Brazongo. Oh, my God. I was laughing hysterically throughout this whole entire friggin' match. Like, just... All the stuff they were doing, I mean, a lot of it, I guess you could say, is, is 
not necessary, but it was just funny, and they did everything, like, the spots very well, so I couldn't get mad of it. And uh, basically it started with apparently, like, their last investigation. Um, Tyler Breeze was deep undercover during the match, dressing as both a janitor and an old lady. Yes, an old woman. The Usos pinned Fandango after tripping him on the top rope and hitting him with a super kick. Good match. Uh, I hope they're not actually stopping this whole feud. I want to see it kind of continue because uh, I'm getting a kick out of it, and they're good wrestlers. So uh, how, how did you like it, uh, Chris? Uh, I thought it was fine. They made it into a bit of a comedy match, which I was okay with. I think the show needed a little bit of that. Uh, the day one is H. It's pretty funny on that video replay. <laughs> I still don't know what day one-ish means either, so I kind of fill them there. Uh, it was funny. I mean, it was definitely built more as a comedy match, even though uh, Brazingo ha- has shown that they can wrestle good matches. Uh, I thought I thought it was good um, overall. I-, I think this feud is coming to an end. The New Day just wrestled their first dark match, and they were on Talking Smack, if, if I'm uh, recalling correctly, so I would think they're going to be next for the Usos, uh, so I would get prepared for that. I think that's going to be your next feud, and then maybe they'll work against Breezango in like, some kind of comedy angle or something after that, but that's going to be my guess. Which is definitely a possibility. Uh, Juwan, how did you like the comedy in this match? Was it doing it for you? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, but, but, I but, definitely uh, thought it was funny. No, I, I definitely enjoyed the uh, the comic aspect of the of the match. I wanted to hate it because, like I said last time, we were talking about uh, was it Breezango or whatever the hell they're calling themselves. Um, Breezango, the fashion police. They're just weird to me because I swear they're off-screen lovers. <laughs> um, I guess that's what that's what makes it weird for me. But they are great talents um, in the ring, and the the whole gimmick is hilarious. So. I definitely did uh, find it funny, but it is time for that, that feud to end, mainly because uh, the Usos should have, like, better competition as far as um, it not being like a, a, a clown show. And I think that's what they're doing because I'm pretty sure New Day's about to come back and get the titles. Um, I mean, I don't know that because I don't write, but I should, obviously. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to the next match. Uh, Sami Zayn defeated Baron Corbin. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on one second. Did I say that right? Sami Zayn defeated Baron Corbin. Guys, he beat someone. He actually beat a guy that was beating the crap out of him in the back and beat him in the ring. Clean after a haluva kick. And then beat him again. But we'll get to that. But uh, Zayn pinned uh, Corbin out to hell of a kick. Uh, it was a good match. It was it was fine. Um you know, Zayn did Sami Zayn, and I'm hoping that they're taking him a little bit more seriously. You know, I, I, there's certain things that happened with him and with Finn Balor, with um, Paul Heyman that happened on Raw, that makes me think that maybe they're not maybe listening to the fans, but they're just realizing these guys' potential and giving us hints at the future of them. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, Juwan, how did you feel about this match and the fact that Sami Zayn actually fucking win? Won. Whatever. Um... No, I, I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, the one thing that, that frustrates me um, is I don't know what their their plans are for Sami Zayn and um, what's his name? Uh, shit, forgot his name. Um, Baron Corbin. 
uh, like this whole AJ Styles being uh, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens being in the you know the mid card um, spot is really messing everything up because Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin, I feel like those should be the top guys uh, as far as like the U.S. title. Um, I wish that was the storyline they were going with. Like Corbin had the title and Zayn was trying to get it from him. Um, but those two just feuding just to feud, uh, I hate that. I, I, I like it when the title's on the line because those two guys are really, really, really good talents, and I'd love to see either one of them with the belt. But as far as the match, um, I, I did enjoy it. I am surprised that he did get the win. I thought Corbin would have got put over. Um, but it's good to see uh, Sammy win. Chris, is the apocalypse happening? Because Sammy won, Z- Sammy Zayn won against Baron Corbin twice now in a row. Well, Sammy Zayn won a match, but Baron Corbin dominated 99% of it. So the story they're going to go with is that the underdog got the win, and eventually the big bad Baron Corbin is going to destroy Sammy Zayn. Um, so they're they're building Sammy up to give Corbin an important win is basically the way I took this. Uh, it was, he was dominating the entire match. He was very disrespectful to, to Sammy, and then Sammy got the kick win kind of out of nowhere. This match itself wasn't that great. Uh, there were lots of, like, slow, slow spots in the match. There was a bear hug. Sammy gets out of the bear hug. Corbin looks at him like he doesn't know what he's doing, and then he just gives him a bear hug again. And I'm like, I don't know how the hell you're having a bad match with Sammy Zayn right now, but you're somehow making this happen. Um, I was kind of disappointed because Corbin, Corbin's had some good matches recently, but this one wasn't, to me, wasn't one of them. I thought it was a kind of average, almost like a TV match. Uh, as far as what they're going to do right now, they're building around Kevin Owens and AJ Styles because they're not sure how people are going to react to uh, Jinder Mahal and whatever storyline they're putting in him in next. So it makes sense that they're focusing that U.S. title I agree with Juwan as far as it's kind of shifting some of these guys into weird spots where it's you don't really know. There's not really a clear mid-card on SmackDown right now. Which, to be fair, there's not really a clear mid-card on Raw right now either because they don't really care about their title belts and want to continuously devalue them. That's something we could talk about later if you want to, but it's uh, it's not it's not going great as far as the World Heavyweight titles go on both brands at the moment. Nope. Yeah, I, got, I have to agree with you on that. It's definitely devalued a lot. But uh, let's keep on going. We have the match of the night that I don't give a shit about. Um, the welcoming committee, Natalia, Tamina, and Carmella defeated Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Naomi. Uh, the reason why, well, the match wasn't anything that bad. I mean, great wrestling by all women. It had no point. They're obviously not even going anywhere with this, uh, as proved by the next uh, night. Uh, that we saw them on, on uh, whatchamacallit, SmackDown. That's the name of the damn thing. Yeah, the wrestling show. Anyways, uh, but Natalia won the match for her team by making Becky Lynch tap out with the sharpshooter, and everyone's picking daisies the next day, and then everyone's at each other's throat. Stupid storyline. Could care less about it. Um, that's how I feel. If you don't like how I, what I have to say, you can suck up. Juwan, how do you feel? Um, actually, I, I, I completely agree with you, but I will just say the more I see uh, matches like that, the more I keep saying to myself, uh, between Raw and SmackDown, they should have a Divas tag team division. 
mainly because when you have this six-man tag match, like for pay-per-views or even just for SmackDown, and that's kind of the storyline where it's like three against three, it's very stale. Um, I need to see like a one-on-one for for the title. Um, And when we don't see that, you're kind of devaluing that title also. So I think the easiest thing to do is to have a division for the the women's title, the Divas title, I'm sorry, and then have a tag team Divas division. So you can kind of use those teams, you know, for a better purpose. But these six-man tag team matches with these Divas are really killing me. They're great talent, but whoever wins, like, it amounts to nothing. Like, what, what is the purpose of this? You know what I'm saying? That That's my only great wrestlers inside the ring, but the whole story and idea of it's dumb. I'm just lobbying for them to get a tag team division for the, ooh, excuse me, for the women. So it can just kind of make it more entertaining. So it's actually matches for something rather than they don't know what to do as far as, you know, singles matches. So let's just throw all the divas we have in a six-man tag. Yeah, they they definitely don't have, uh, I have no idea. Think about the uh, tag division. If if we were if we were just talking about like you know, SmackDown and Raw, they don't have their their different roster. Yeah, you could do that, but I don't even know if they have enough female talent to to do that. If anything, quit having these stupid fucking tag matches of three on three or you know super eight matches or whatever the fuck you want to call it. it just doesn't really work. Uh, if they would have done something, it would have been great. There was a part where I really thought Becky Lynch was about to turn because she had not gotten tagged in, and I thought that was the direction. It was a big swerve, and then they didn't do that, obviously. They didn't do it with Charlotte, and like I said, the whole entire welcoming committee, and how many fucking times that announced team said that, it was just, it was, it was just for that pay-per-view. Uh, I, don't, I don't see this extending at all. Uh, do you agree with me, Chris, to an extent? Yeah, I think they're going to keep going with this thing for a little bit, unfortunately. What was kind of strange to me is, you know, the match itself was fine. I don't have too much to say about it. It was kind of just there. Um, But the weird thing was, the whole thing was they were going to play off whether Charlotte was going to be a team player or not. And they didn't really hint at her not being a team player the entire time. So I don't know if they're saving something for down the road or... Or like you said, if maybe they're gonna have Becky turn, which I, I really don't, I don't know if they're gonna do that or not. It'd be cool if they did, but I just, it'd be, I, I just don't see them doing it yet. Uh, it was weird, Becky, that your your good guy tapped out. Uh, so from a match standpoint, it kind of didn't, it didn't really do anything for the feud other than establish that, you know, that your good guy's lost. And I don't know if it's setting up a match in the future or what. I mean, the it was kind of a clean loss too. There wasn't really any kind of like, I expected more interference from James Ellsworth or, or just something to kind of give the match a little bit of a better story than it had. And then I think Charlotte was in the match for like all of two minutes and it was mostly just her selling. Um, so that was, to me, it was, it wasn't a great match. I would have much rather just saw a Naomi Charlotte title match, but you know, that's just me. I can agree with you on that. I mean, have two women's matches and, you know, don't have that clusterfuck of whatever. Remember, if you guys want to join in, uh, give your opinion, and unless you're going to impersonate Jinder Mahal, uh, call 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join the conversation. So, anyways, let's keep on going. we got three more matches. Uh, all right, 
probably my second. No, wait. This might have been my favorite match of the night. I'm trying to think of like the card beforehand. But uh, Kevin Owens defeated AJ Styles. A lot of people didn't like the ending, but I thought that the way they did it, you know, after having a great, intense back and forth match in the ring, for him to kind of screw him over and, you know, push his leg so he makes it fall down in there. And I don't know what happened with the wires, that, if that was accidental or what, but it was effective. It didn't make AJ Styles look weak because he got screwed over by Kevin in a way. And, you know, this, this feud can keep on going. I guess they're having a pause on it for, um, for Money in a Bank, but whatever. It's still a lot of fun, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from here. Got a couple of haters? Anyways, uh, Juwan, are you a hater? Uh, no. No, I'm definitely not. Yes, um, yes. yes I am. <laughs> no, definitely not. Shut up, Dean. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy the match. Uh, I'd say the ending. Um, I, I'm not going to say it was predictable, but, I mean, the, the outcome is what was predictable. I figured they were going to find a clean way for uh, them to kind of not bury either one of the guys. And that was a really, really, really cool way to do it. Um, So, like I said, it just keeps messing me up. These guys are are in the uh, the mid-card. Oh, yeah, this is for the United States Championship. I wouldn't have known. I thought this was our heavyweight champion. Oh, never mind. I just remember what happened. (laughs) Um, Chris. How did you like the United States Championship match? Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good match. AJ Styles, once again, proved to me that he's one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. There was an awesome spot where he was selling his knee after Owens had locked him in an ankle lock and I think like a single leg Boston's crab, and he got out and he was going to go up to the ropes to hit the phenomenal forearm. Yeah. Watch it back. Watch what he does with his legs to sell his knee. It's just fucking incredible. That guy is just a ridiculous wrestler. Uh, that is, it was just insane to watch someone that good, just even for that those, those five seconds. Um, the ending I really liked. I thought it was a good way to get Owens a win clean, but not hurt Styles at all. So uh, from that standpoint, I really liked it. Um, they both fought. I mean, it was a bo- it was both a hard-fought match. It wasn't like Kevin was trying to get the count out or anything crazy like that. It was just like a freak thing. And as long as they don't do this kind of finish all the time, it's fine. If they start doing this every couple months, then it becomes a thing that no one will care about. And maybe that's the difference between Styles and Kevin Owens and if they can they can put something together like this that actually makes sense. Um, I really liked it. I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. And it's good that like there's people out there that think that he really got his foot stuck because that means that wrestling's doing what it should be doing. If you watch closely, you can see him like slip the cords around his leg. If you want to get too technical about it, but overall, I've seen it go both ways. Where I was like, I don't think that was actually supposed to happen or be the finish, which I kind of appreciate. That just means that both those guys worked their ass off and put a good match out. Um, it wasn't my favorite match of the weekend, as we talked about earlier. That still goes to the UK Championship match, but this was definitely uh, my favorite match as far as main rosters go throughout all of the shows. So, yeah, and I, I can definitely agree with you on on all those uh, points. Uh, we we had the match that was actually supposed to be the first match, but for some reason Shinsuke Nakamura lost the bet to Luke Harper apparently because Luke Harper went against Eric Rohan, second to last. 
Uh, I feel bad for Luke Harper. I got to admit, I'm glad that he defeated Eric Rowan because he just lost to him on television a week ago. Uh, he had a lot of steam. People liked him. When Jinder won that one match with all the other guys involved in it, you know, people were cheering for him, and he's kind of like a lost a lot of that momentum. And I hope they end up doing something with him. Um, he's just got qualities, you know, certain mystique, but like funny qualities. He's a really funny guy. Uh, I've seen him in interviews uh, with Stone Cold, so therefore I know him. He's one of my best friends. Anyways, uh, it was a small match. I don't know what the hell to do with Eric Rowan. Um, I would actually keep on the fucking mask, the, the clown mask, and just wear it or try to figure out some way to have something on his face. He looks scarier with the mask on. Um, he was creepy, though, during the pre-show, creeping behind Renee Young and Booker T and then coming on stage and just pulling out all of his masks. Uh, they're going for a horror movie angle, obviously, they do that a lot. Uh, I don't know if he's really working for me. Like I said, it reminds me of Kane meets Mankind. Maybe a little bit of a best thrown in there. But uh, Luke Harper defeated him, pinned Rowan after a discus forum, which was supposed to be a clothesline. But nailed the shit out of him. Anyways, uh, how did you like that, Chris? I thought it was a, it was a pretty decent match that kind of got caught in a bad spot between um... – or right after this uh, Kevin Owens uh, AJ Styles match, which it makes sense why they spaced it that way, but it, it's kind. Of, this match probably should have been the first match of the night, and then maybe have put that Nakamura match here, uh, in my opinion, or the women's match here, or something just to get it away from the other match. Uh, I like, I kind of like what Eric Rowan's doing. I think it's weird that he's talking to the mask and still kind of being part of the Wyatt family. The whole reason he wanted this match was because Luke left the Wyatt family. So maybe if they start selling it like Eric Rowan thinks that the mask is Bray Wyatt and he's talking to it, kind of like an Al Snow gimmick or something, that could be pretty funny or they could do something unique with it. But right now it's just kind of weird. not really doing it for me. Um, but we'll see where they go with it. I mean, it, to me it seems like they're going to have a rematch between these guys. So that that would be my assumption, but I could be wrong. All right, so, Juwan, you're in the forest. Uh, you're running for some reason. Actually, you're not running. Uh, you're just walking, jogging. Uh, jogging is what they call it in San Francisco. Anyways, um, <laughs> and you go around the corner of some trees, and there is Eric Rowan with the weird-ass clown sheep mask on, and a bunch of candy. Do you run or do you try to eat the candy? Go. Well, I I do try to eat the candy. Um, as I'm running, if that's even a possibility. Yep. <laughs> How'd you like the match? <laughs> um, it was it was it was a pretty decent match. Um, I I will say I I have no idea why those two aren't teaming up to totally dominate SmackDown's tag team division. Because um, they're kind of being wasted just fighting each other. Um, you know, they could kind of really build those two guys up to be. Because think about it, when Undertaker and Kane left, that whole mystique of like this this ominous figure, this ominous team, like that whole aspect is like gone. There's no one that's doing that. So you could have those two guys do something along the lines of that. Um, and completely dominate the tag team division. And I, I don't know why they're not doing that. So, but it, it was a good match, but I'd much rather see these two guys as, as a tag team um, and see them with the gold. 
All right, so so I have an idea, okay, guys? All right, all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take Eric Rowan, we're going to take Baron Corbin, and we're going to take uh, Luke Harper, and we're going to put them in a faction together. Mick Foley is going to be their leader, if you will, their, their, their manager, and it's going to be called Face of Foley. And you keep Eric Rowan, like, as the mankind. Actually, dress him up as fucking mankind. You make Dude Harper and make him, like, the big Lebowski – like, that's his fucking personality. And then you get Baron Corbin to be the new Cactus Jack. Now, they go out there. I'm just kidding. This is a huge joke, and I don't know why I kept on going with it. I'm going to keep on going until the last match. All right, anyways, if you're still out there, let's go over the WWE Championship match. Jinder Mahal defeated Randy Orton. I don't even know how the fuck I just said that one. Just straight. Orton hit an RKO on Mahal, but the Singh brothers pulled Mahal out of the ring. Orton, it's, Orton beat up the Singhs. It, he didn't just beat the crap out of him. He threw him like they were fucking Frisbees the wrong way, allowing Mahal to hit the Cobra Clutch Slam, and seriously, he won the WWE Championship. Um, I mean, I kind of saw it coming, but I still couldn't believe it. Uh, Chris, I know that you have a lot of wonderful things to say about this match. Oh, yeah, man. Did you see the awesome back body drop on the table that Randy Orton had? It was amazing. Some of the best rest I've ever seen. <laughs> Hashtag dive. Um, no, in all seriousness, the match itself was, <laughs> was what it fucking was. I, I, it's exactly what we've been talking about for a few weeks. Nothing really changed. Bollywood boys get involved. Mahal somehow gets the win. And we have a new WWE champion, which got a little bit of a pop, but... When the title changed, it always gets a pop. My problem with this is this title has changed times five times in four months. And now it's went to a guy that no one cares about. So hopefully this gets over in India, which is what I believe WWE is trying to do from all the news reports. Hopefully gender can be hated enough to be a heel. And hopefully if they're going to give him the title, they keep it on him for a little bit and see what he can do because – Right now, if they just flip-flop the title again, it's going to be – it just makes your title look bad. The, the, this whole thing to me is just terrible, considering your other championship is not even on TV at the moment. So it's uh, it's not good. Nothing about this is good. I fucking hated it, Dane. Yeah, I had some nice conversations with people uh, online. But we're not going to go into that right now. Uh, Juwan, the Maharaja. The Bujabi Prince, Jinder Mahal, he is your champion. Yeah, I, like like Chris was saying, it was kind of to be expected. I mean, if you honestly had Randy Orton win that match, that whole rivalry was for nothing. Um, and then kind of like, where do you go next? Like, who does Randy Orton face next if Jinder Mahal had lost? Are you going to do a rematch of the like it it only could have gone one way. And honestly, I don't have a huge issue with it. I mean, I won't necessarily compare it too much um cuz you guys might say it's it's not the same. But when Dolph Ziggler had gotten the World Heavyweight Championship, he wasn't the most loved. And it was one of those things where it was like, how how the hell did Edge just lose the title to Dolph Ziggler of all people? Um, so that's kind of how I feel, and I grew to, to really appreciate Dolph Ziggler. So I'm hoping maybe I can get that effect from Jinder Mahal 
like a little bit, like either his in ring ability grows on me or his mic skills. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how long they decide to drag this shit out, uh, mainly because it seems like there's only two people in the main roster uh, spot uh, as far as the world title. So it'll be really interesting to see how long this drags out um, before the title either goes back to Randy Orton or someone comes out of the woodworks to um, be the new contender uh, for the um, the SmackDown title. But seeing Randy Orton throw people and then make the face like he knew he kind of fucked up was uh, was, was quite hilarious. But I, I, won't, I won't say I'm too shocked or that upset about it because that was like the only logical way to go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I guess the, what are you going to say, Chris? I would say the primary difference with the, at least with the Dolph Ziggler angle, is that Vicky Guerrero was involved in it, and Dolph Ziggler was being booked as a heel to begin with and had actually won some matches and is a way better fucking worker than Jinder Mahal. And I hate Dolph Ziggler, so that's saying a lot. As far as in ring work goes, though, he's a thousand times better than Jinder Mahal. Yeah, no, 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 no. I just meant, I just meant in the respect of like, you had Edge at like Shocking. his peak. So when, he, yeah, so when he lost the title, it was just like to Dolph Ziggler of all, you know, because at that time Dolph Ziggler isn't who he became, um, you know, after that point. So I was just saying that I wasn't comparing them in ring or saying you know Jinder Mahal and Dolph are like exactly the same. I was just the shock factor of like, oh shit, like you know you got one of your best talents that just lost to. Jinder Mahal? Like, what the fuck? You know, so yeah. and Dolph Ziggler ended up not having the title that long before he lost it again to Edge. So maybe this might be the same kind of same kind of storyline. Only difference was, uh, like, after that whole Ziggler storyline, there was someone else that came and challenged Edge for the title after that. So hopefully the same thing happens. Maybe we'll find out something after Money in the Bank. All right. So I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent. Um, not too bad. Here's the thing about everything involving Jinder Mahal being the champion. You know, there are situations where it kind of reminds me, and at, at, when it happened, it was it was kind of negative. When when Bradshaw went to JBL, and there was like that little transition, and then he won the title. But he was also Bradshaw in APA and Acolytes, and then before that in the new um, uh, Blackjacks, for the, throughout the whole entire 90s. Jinder Mahal was not booked correctly. If this last year, if you built him up a certain way, like you did with lots of wrestlers, Rusev, for, for you know instance, where you teamed him up with and made Rusev lose with him. So if, if you do it a certain way, that's fine. I, 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 can, I can deal with the fact that he isn't the greatest in-ring worker and stuff like that. That's not big of a deal. He's a good heel. But if you don't and you just flip it and it's like, some fans are like, no, it's completely fine. It was unexpected. You know, great. A lot of things are unexpected. Fires are unexpected. They suck. Fucking house burns down and shit. What I'm trying to say is, like, they could have just done this a hell of a lot smoother. And I'm not trying to be, like, a smart mark, but it's, like, it's just really bad booking. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, I have nothing against Jinder Mahal and stuff like that. But if they're going for the Indian market, the great colleague, I, I made this example Greg Kali is one of the most famous men in India. He's huge over there. And that's not a lie. Like, he's a huge celebrity over there. Get his fucking ass to come back. 
Make him lose to, because it's a transition. They're not going to fucking extend this. This is not going to be for a long time period. So it can't help India that well. And if, if the way the Singh brothers are acting, that's not really, you know, a good representation. A lot of stuff they're doing contradicts what people are saying, which is what fucking pisses me the fuck off. So I don't get it. And then when you say, well, you know, Kali can't work in the ring. Well, guess what? Neither can Jinder Mahal, and he's not fucking famous. So if there was, uh, there was other ways to do this, is all I'm trying to say. But I want to move on, so I'm going to fucking move on, unless Chris, Juwan, if you guys want to say one last thing about it. No, I mean, I completely agree. We talked about this when we talked about wins and losses a few weeks back, like how I thought that this was terrible. I think it devalues your title. I think it devalue, devalues your division altogether. If anyone can get a title shot at any point in time, then it makes it – Wins and losses are relevant, which just gets back to that original point. So I'm not going to harp on it because we've already done that, but you're essentially saying wins and losses. You win five fucking, well, six if you include the title match. You win five fucking matches out of, like, 200, yeah, you don't deserve a title shot. Yep, and that's how I feel. But we have some Raj and we have some SmackDown edge to go over, and we'll be having more about Jinder Mahal in a little while, guys, so. Anyways, let's go into Raw. The show opened up with Bray Wyatt talking about he is the only man in Extreme Rules main event with the hope of beating Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns interrupted and said he wants Wyatt out of his yard. Yo, man, it's my yard. I hate that shit. Anyways, Kurt Angle came out and made a match between the two men right then and there. After the commercial, Wyatt was in control when Samoa Joe came out to interrupt their match. Joe put both Reigns in the Kalua Kutch giving him disqualifi- or disqualification victory. Joe then put Rollins in the clutch. Um, Rollins made, or then put Rollins in the clutch. Rollins made the save. Uh, backstage, Reigns told Rollins he didn't need his help. Angle arrived and made the main event, uh, Roman Reigns and Rollins versus Joe and Wyatt. Uh, how did you like to set up the little mini-match and everything going for the main event and setting all that up, Juwan? Uh, I, I loved it, honestly, um, and I think, and this is just me being, you know, spur of the moment, but I think Roman Reigns is starting to grow on me. I'll see. Um, I figure he's going to be the one that, that advances to face Brock, and if that's the case, I, I'm I'm hoping those promos that, that he has to carry kind of makes me fully go on his side, but I love the opening. Um I think Raw is doing something that SmackDown is, is lacking on. Um, and I think that's mainly be No, I won't even say it's mainly because uh, Raw has better superstars. SmackDown has just as much uh, good superstars. Raw just uses theirs better. Um, I love Kurt Angle. Uh, the matches he's been making also regarding, what is it, five of them, four or five of them. Um and I, I I truly did love the opening. Bray versus Brock Lesnar would honestly be epic. Um, so yeah, I, I I love the opening. How do you feel? Uh, I thought it was fine. I, I, it it makes sense. They're building this feud for the five way match, which is still weird to me. A five way match in general just seems weird. But I mean, they put all their big players in it, and this the whole show is going to have to pivot around this until the pay per view. So uh, the way they're building it makes sense. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of tag matches coming out of these things. Um, it's fine. I, 
they're doing a good job of making Joe look like a threat in this match, and I appreciate that. Uh, the match itself, I mean, it was so short that, I mean, it was basically just an interference spot is, is all that ma- the first match was set up to be. As far as them booking a tag match afterwards, I mean, this is the same thing that we've been seeing with Kurt Angle since he came on. He's just going to book these matches uh, that are relevant to how people feel about each other. So as far as that goes, they're just continuing to build this character. Um, and that works for me. I, I, I thought it was a fine opening segment to get where they needed to be to get this set up, you know. Yeah, no, uh, I can agree with you. I, I think that one thing I'm noticing is, and uh, someone pointed out, it might have been Dave Metzer, um, Kurt Angle sounds very robotic. He sounds like he's, like they're making him, forcing him to really like memorize like a set of lines. And I think that he's more organic you could tell, like, like that little thing, like, I'm such a good GM. Like, I feel like that was him on the spot. And I feel like there's – him especially, they need to, like, let him do his thing more because he's kind of coming off, like, I don't know, one way. I, that's the only way I can explain it. Anyways, let's go over a couple of matches. Throw them at this uh, at you guys. Uh, so, Kira Tozawa defeated Arya Davari. Tozawa won by pinfall after the top rope. Sent on. Uh, they had a really cool spot where him and Brian Kendrick – or the uh, the announced team and Brian Kendrick were going back and forth while Brian Kendrick was watching the match and pointing out what he thought uh, Tozawa's flaws were throughout the match. Uh, they actually had a really great, um, uh, what should we call it, hardcore match on 205 Live that I watched where Akira beat him. Uh, cool little rivalry, whatever, doesn't really matter. Anyways, so we all, we had Kurt Angle in the back when he was sitting in this match. Um, Elias Sampson came by him playing guitar, and he's like, You've been you've been trying to get my attention. I'm gonna give you guys a match tonight against Dean Ambrose, and uh, lo and behold, because of the Miz, Elias Sampson defeated Dean Ambrose. I love how they went from cheering him when Kurt gave him a match to booing the crap out of him with his horrible voice and just bad song. This is a non-title match. Sampson won by disqualification when the Miz showed up and specifically attacked Sampson, so Ambrose would lose the match. After the match, Ambrose tried to grab Miz, but Sampson hit a- Ambrose. With his, with his finisher. And then after this, we find this curious concept of what the hell's going on. Backstage, Big Cass and a referee found Enzo Amore laid out unconscious. When he woke up, he didn't know who attacked him. Angle promised to get to the bottom of this, and Big Cass threatened him and said that he better find him before he does. So I don't know if he's threatening Kurt Angle or the accomplice, or is Big Cass the one doing this? With these three segments, how'd you like them? I enjoyed them a lot, actually. Um, I think the the one I go to the most would be the uh, the big cast situation, mainly because if it was big cast that did it, um, that'd be like an amazing storyline. Mainly because hopefully that means that less we'll see of Enzo and more of a push for just big cast. Um, so I'm really rooting for that. <laughs> um, but outside of that, I thought the other um, segments were definitely uh, cool. But that was that one stuck out to me the most. How about you, Chris? Uh, actually, uh, man, these two-minute cruiserweight matches are killing me. I'm glad they followed up on it with at least the commentary on 205 Live. Uh, Tony Nese had a, a tweet after that match, the hardcore match, which was actually really good. 
uh, that just circled out. I just posted it on Geek Vibes uh, Nation on Facebook. You can check it out. Where where he was like, why even leave your house and waste a good seat? And he just circles this guy just texting during a table spot, which is pretty damn funny. Um, but yeah, I hate it takes them longer to set up the ring and the apron than it does for them to have these two-minute matches. So I, I wish they would stop doing that. Um, Elias Sampson spot, I thought that was pretty good. It it was a decent match for Sampson. Once again, it's it's uh, it made sense that that they hit what basically how it worked out right is that uh, Miz hit Sampson right to get. Dean disqualified? Is that how it worked, the finish on that match, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly? So it's just playing into that. The Miz, the Miz uh, hit uh, Samson and basically, uh, what should we call it, Dean gets disqualified because of that. Yeah, so it's just building on that uh, really weird rule that they're going to have at Extreme Rules, which uh, I believe Brian Alvarez said it, and I think I said it talking to you, which was, wouldn't it make sense if Maurice just slaps Miz right when the bell rings and gets Dean disqualified and then maybe Kurt has to restart the match. We t- I think we talked about this uh, last week when they first made the stipulation, yep. but the whole stipulation to me just seems fucking weird. Um, but at least they're trying to build on it. Uh, so that, that's, that was good from that standpoint. And then uh, the Enzo cast thing, I'm pretty sure it's just the revival coming back. Um, it, it, it was kind of a weird situation, but then once again, I don't think the Revival were at the show. So if they're just building towards that, they didn't necessarily have to be there, and that might have been why they did this spot. My only problem with this is uh, they did the same thing with uh, Atami when Kevin Owens was the NXT champion, and then they never showed who attacked him, and they just completely forgot it happened. So hopefully WWE doesn't just completely forget that Enzo got attacked, and then they just randomly put him in a match. So we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> It was Rikishi. It was actually Rikishi the whole entire time with the with the giant pole. I, I, um, I did it for the yeah. rock. Oh, but actually, the revival was spotted at there in someone else's interview, and I forgot which one. I was going to go back and watch it. They're in the background, so they were at that event. Um, okay. Because I it was I've seen, I saw a picture and I also saw the video footage. So um, yeah, it's probably them. I hope not. I hope Kaz is just taking out Enzo, but. No one likes me in the booking department. So let's keep on going. I was really happy with this. Uh, Finn Balor made his entrance and got on the microphone and addressed the crowd. He was promising to win at Extreme Rules and defeat Brock Lesnar when he was interrupted by Paul Heyman. Heyman said he hopes Finn wins and on behalf of his client wished him all the luck at Extreme Rules. He shook Finn's hand and left. Right after uh, the commercial break, we had Finn Balor defeating Carl Anderson um, Finn got a pinfall after hitting the coup de gras. The match, I wish that they... I know that Anderson and Balor have danced many a times. They're best friends. I wish that the match was a little bit longer so we got to see Carl Anderson as a singles competitor because from what I hear, he was big over to Japan by himself. Um, and uh, something about them making so many comments about the fact they used to be friends and they didn't even act like that in the ring. I think they probably should have, you know, coordinated a little bit more with the wrestlers, in my opinion. But, the, the you know, Paul Heyman coming out and saying that about Finn makes me have a lot of hope that the WWE, just like putting the Universal Champion Championship on him in the first place, they like Finn Balor. And I don't know if he will necessarily win 
um, the match and be able to beat Brock Lesnar at Extreme Rules. But I like that there is going to be a point where I think Brock will be going against Finn Balor if all of the reports are true and Brock's going to have the title continuously throughout this year, leading to WrestleMania with him and Roman Reigns. I really hope all of that's a bunch of bullshit, but that's what's going around. But um, how, how did you feel about the segment and then the match thereafter, Chris? Actually, uh, I, I like the match for what it was. It Like you said, it was a short match. There's probably some other stuff they could have cut out to give these guys a little bit more time. But, um, yeah, it was fine. It was nice seeing Heyman back. I think Heyman, I've said it before, Heyman's good at selling any match. So I think he's probably going to do this for a few people in this match. I don't think this is going to be the only time we see Heyman or, or we maybe get some more interviews with Heyman before the pay-per-view. Um but it, it gives. I think it gives the fans hope that Balor might get this. You know, get the match. He might win this match. So it it helps. It helps put Balor in a better situation than he was the past few weeks. Um, I think it would have been better. Do you if think Balor there was any sincerity match. with uh, Paul Heyman to Finn Balor? Probably. I, know I mean, he's I talking he about on Twitter. Respects, I mean, he he probably respects Balor as a as a wrestler. I mean, he's kind of, he he almost seems like the kind of guy that Heyman would have booked, you know, into which in, in, in ECW. So he probably appreciates it. Um, I don't know. I, I, that match intrigues me, but I don't think that's where they're going to go. I think this is almost like a swerve. So we'll, we'll see where they go from there. But the Finn Balor, Carl Anderson match, I pretty much agree with you as far as that goes. It, was, um, it, it, just, it didn't seem like they really had either. They wanted more time to get with, get where they wanted to go or they didn't want to make each other look bad or something. I don't know. It was a weird, it was kind of a weird match altogether. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, and the announcing kind of didn't help. So it was, it was a weird match for me, but it wasn't bad. I don't want to go as far as to say it was a bad match. No, I, I get what you're saying. And, um, I like your idea about like how he's going to approach other people. But I think that would be hilarious if he ends up doing that. But, um, Juwan, how did you feel about the segment in the match? Um, I agree with uh, Chris as far as the match, um, but I will say it intrigued me enough for me to build like um, conspiracy theories in my head of possibly um, Heyman screwing over Brock Lesnar to take Finn on as his new um, his new client. Um, Ooh! Because that way it'll give Brock you know his time off to do whatever. Because honestly, what they could do is you know. Um, you know, give it back to Finn because it is technically his, never actually really lost it. Um, and I could see Heyman just, you know, seeing something in Finn, kind of like he saw something in CM Punk and wanting to build somebody like that up um, to becoming a Heyman guy and screwing Brock over and giving Finn the title. And, you know, just not necessarily Finn becoming a heel or anything, but, uh, him officially becoming a Heyman guy. So I could definitely see around, uh, like if Finn wins this Extreme Rules match, I could definitely see um, Heyman doing more uh, suspicious things when it comes to Finn Balor, whether it's giving him praise or, you know, bringing his name up often or something along the lines of that, and then just ending up screwing over Brock Lesnar and, you know, making Finn Balor his new uh, Heyman guy. I like that idea, and I also like Chris's idea, too. I think those are both uh, great booking guys. Um, if Brock Lesnar uh, ends up getting screwed over by uh, by Paul, 
which would be dumb for Paul, but would be cool for an angle with him promoting Finn Balor. And then Brock comes later on at the end of this year, because that would be Brock Lesnar, and beats him and gets a title for him to have it like he's supposed to, apparently, at WrestleMania. I like that idea. I, I do like that. But I also like the idea of Paul Heyman being a, a douche and just being the penguin and going up to every other fucking person and telling them the same thing and trying to build them. And then Brock is going to come the, you know, the raw beforehand, before the uh, the event, and then just take out all of them and just destroy all of them in the ring. Something like that. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, do a couple matches. We got like a little bit of a uh, a flash round, guys, because we're, we're we're doing good on time, but we need to go a little bit faster. So I'm going to ask you about these three segments, guys. We had Sasha Banks. Uh, she defeated Alicia Fox. Banks hit the rope hung double knees and pin Fox after the match. Banks slapped the shit out of Nondar and then got laid out by Fox uh, with the scissor kicks. We had a nice little promo from Goldust, uh, very old school attitude era, and even before that promo, Goldust is back to his old ways. He is now a heel. He warned our truth and basically, from what I'm reading, um, they're, they're going to be giving a big push to Goldust. I don't know to what extent that will be, but Maybe another intercontinental run before he retires, but I'm glad that he's back to his roots. Uh, we also had some interaction with Apollo Crews and Callisto in the backstage. Callisto was trying to warn Apollo Crews about, you know, t- staying away from Tyus O'Neill. Um, Tyus O'Neill comes there. He insults them, tells Apollo that he's going against Callisto. They have a match. Crews got distracted by Titus, attempting to coach him, allowing Callisto to hit the Salida del Sol for the pin. And after the match, Titus convinced Apollo Crews, like, it's no big deal, and they do a selfie together. I actually like a little bit of what's going on between the two of them. It's just the Titus O'Neil thing, it, it could be like a modern uh, Money's Inc. Incorporated if they were to, like, establish Titus a little bit more. Or it could just be absolutely horrible and the, the, the runs, but it's whatever. Uh, these three segments between Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox, Goldust, and Kalisto and Apollo Crews, how, how did you feel about them, Chris? The Alicia Fox Sasha Banks match, it's pretty pretty sure they're just building a feud off this. I didn't really care for it. Uh the Shattered Dreams production vignette, appreciated as an old school gold dust fan. Uh, I guess they're gonna set up a match between him and Truth, which I'm fine with. It'll be a good match, more than likely. And uh the promo itself I like for the Golden Age is back, what I think is what he ended it with. Um so I'm looking forward to that and seeing what they do from there. Also, seeing how R-Truth responds and what kind of character he's going to be. Uh, he's kind of been playing like the bumbling fool for a really long time, so it's going to be cool to see if he gets serious a little bit now that his uh, his opponent's getting more serious. Uh, and then Apollo Crews and Titus O'Neil together, it's fine. It's kind of weird that they're putting them in a feud with Kalisto, which kind of seems where they're going with this. Uh, I think that you could just make those guys a tag team. Titus O'Neil was has won a tag title before, so it makes sense that he would push towards something like that. I just don't know what what they're trying to do. Is this eventually going to lead like lead to Apollo Cruz versus Titus O'Neil? And if it does, does anyone have any interest in that match? And I would think that the match itself would probably not be that great. But maybe if they build the story around it, I, I, I could care about it. But right now, it's kind of just there. It's just filler. I, I would actually prefer to see like a longer Akira Tozawa match as opposed to this, but maybe I'm in the minority on that. That would be awesome, actually. Uh, Jawan, how did you feel? Um, yeah, no, I, 
I kind of agree with um, – I don't want to say kind of, Chris. I, I agree with you completely. Um, the whole Alicia Fox, um, Sasha Banks thing, as whatever. Um, Gold does bringing it back. I kind of I kind of love that. Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how R-Truth uh, responds to that. Raw has so much talent that they're wasting. It's literally ridiculous. Um, I will say, and this isn't to go on a tangent at all, TNA had a crap load of people and at least knew how to, you know, how to work their talent, like, a lot better than what Raw and SmackDown is doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I am excited to, that Goldust kind of took it back a little bit. Um, as far as the um, Titus O'Neil uh, stuff, I, I could honestly care less about that. Um, I'm waiting for when um, he screws over Apollo Crews and that feud starts, so... Yeah, I could definitely see some some screwage happening. If they do it the way I wanted it to happen, Apollo Crews just needs to start becoming Apollo Creed, and Titus can be his promoter and his coach, and just do these stupid segments and just, just start building him up like that and have his, like, personality. It'll be great. It'll just be awesome. I'll be there whenever you want me, guys. Call me, WWE. Please have my number and my emails. I have 20 of them. Anyways, let's go to the next match. Matt Hardy defeated Sheamus. This was for the right to pick the stipulation for the Raw Tag Team Championship match at Extreme Rules. Matt hit the twist of fate to pin to win by pinfall. Uh, this is also now Sheamus and Cesaro losing uh, clean to Matt and Jeff uh, two different times for both things. I don't know why they did that. Whatever. After the match, Matt announced, he's not broken Matt Hardy, he's fragile Matt Hardy, he's getting there, uh, that he would defend the tag titles against Sheamus and Cesaro in a steel cage match at Extreme Rules. Um, Cool. I'm kind of over this. Uh, I want more for Cesaro. Uh, I mean, same type of shit. I feel like they're going to win, though, and then the Hardys are going to do something maybe with, like you guys are suggesting, I don't know. Um, how, how did you feel about the match and then the, uh, you know, them choosing a cage match, Chris? Uh, as far as them choosing a cage match, it, it makes sense because they just did that. They just did table ladders and chairs at WrestleMania, and then they just did a ladder match at the NXT event. So I think it would have been too much too soon. You would think the Hardys would choose a ladder match, but. Uh, they didn't, and it kind of made sense as far as how WWE doesn't want to overdo those because then it just becomes, you know, it just falls by the wayside. It's not as important. So it made sense they didn't go that route. As far as the match goes, I think this was probably, to me, the best match of the night. It seemed like the one the crowd was the most into. Um, and it was another good match. Uh, it, it, at least Seamus didn't kick anyone's face off, so that's good. And, uh, it's, you know, we just seen this. So they're just doing the same storyline they did going into the last pay-per-view, just this time Sheamus and Cesaro were full, full hill. Um, it would be nice if Sheamus or Cesaro got a win in one of these because so far they're like 5-0 and or 0-5 and against the Hardys, if you include singles. So it's it's kind of a weird, weird thing. Yeah, they're losing pretty bad. It's, it's just like taking two guys and making them have like a best-in-five tournament and then another one. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, that was Cesaro and Sheamus a year ago. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> how, how did you feel about the match itself and then the stipulations for 
the match at Extreme Rules. Um, I want to start off by saying, Chris, I completely understand what you're saying as far as having just too many ladder matches um, too close together. But that's full of shit. Uh, they could have, between WrestleMania and now, kind of taken out one of the ladder matches that they had in between. So they could have used it for a pay-per-view that's um, Extreme Rules. So I, I kind of don't get that. They're Team Extreme, and I guess the best thing we're going to see is Jeff Hardy doing the Swanton Bomb off the top of the cage. Um, so I, I guess either way, either with this cage match or uh, tables, ladders, and chairs, it would have kind of been a been there, done that kind of thing. But at least we would have had the nostalgia of, you know, Hardy, their Team Extreme, Extreme Rules, TLC. Um, but I guess, you know, cage match makes the most sense. I, I, I personally, I just want this feud to end between the two of them, honestly. It's killing me. Um, the match was good. Uh, like you said, um, no one's, uh, grill got knocked off by Sheamus. So that was a plus. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this feud completely ending. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's cutting stale. I think they've gotten through the whole story. They've told what they could tell. And it's time for Sheamus and Cesaro to do some other stuff. Um, Sheamus is a badass heel. He's a mid card guy. You know, if he wants to, if they want to give him the title, they could do that too. But he could definitely be a mid card contender. And I want Cesaro to do some other shit. God, he could just jump the SmackDown, just start putting him in the mid card game over there. You know, just build him. He needs to get built. And he's a damn good in ring worker. And he's got a lot of charisma. Um, but the Hardys, they're probably going to lose. They're probably going to give Sheamus and Cesaro and do what they got to do. Uh, even though the Hardys probably should be broken up, I think soon too. Uh, but what am what am I doing? I, I'm not I'm not booking. I keep on forgetting that, so we'll keep on going. Uh, Austin Aries defeated Tony Nice. Uh, Neville watched from ringside like a creep. Uh, Looked like a motherfucking crow looking dude. Aries won with the last chancery. Um, Neville got in the ring after the match and locked in the ring Saturn on Nice. Uh, Aries applauded sarcastically from the ramp. Um, and then afterwards, Alexa Bliss defeated Mickey James. Uh, this was the non-title match. Bliss got a pin after hitting James with the DDT. After the match, Bliss attacked James with a kendo stick until Bailey came and saved her. Because we're gonna finally see Bailey Extreme. Sounds weird when people say it, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. Anyways, how'd you feel about these two matches, Chris? Oh man, we'll see. I don't know what was better: Bailey getting Extreme or this two-minute cruiserweight match. Because they both were right up there in a shitstorm for me. <laughs> I mean, are we serious? Like, it's a three-hour show. Let these people fucking wrestle, like, longer than two minutes. Like, God. Um, yeah, I hated both of them. I hated both matches. Just go with that. God, he's angry. Jawan, do you, do you, do you feel similar vibrations? Uh, Yeah. Chris is actually um <laughs> he's actually taking the words right out of my mouth for for a lot of these uh tonight. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um care less about either one of them. Uh I will agree with Chris. It's really sickening that possibly the best or the uh most potential best matches of the night they keep making 2 minutes. Um it, it's 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 stupid. Um but yeah, no. I'm I'm with you, Chris. 
Well, well, see, they're, they're, they think that people are going to just, like, get the network so they can watch the rest on 205, and no one is. They don't really think that, but I'm just saying. I'm being a dick. Anyways, let's get to our last match. Samoa Joe and Bray Wyatt defeated Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Apparently, Roman Reigns is a little bit off in the head right now because he doesn't know how to fucking punch someone that's not his partner, when Seth Rollins definitely has a big size difference to Bray Wyatt and Samoa Joe. Uh, Reigns accidentally ran into Rollins uh, when Joe ducked from a Superman punch, so just completely nailed him. As Reigns and Rollins argued, uh, Wyatt pulled Reigns out of the ring and hit Sister Abigail outside. Joe locked the Kaluit clutch on Rollins to get his team the victory. So we had everyone bitching about it, and then when Kirk was watching at the end uh, from the uh, backstage on the monitor, Finn Balor requested a match against one of these competitors next week. Angle said that he's not going to fight one man next week. He'll be a triple threat between Balor, Wyatt, and Joe, while Rollins and Reigns will go one-on-one because they can't get along. They forgot they were a part of one of the biggest fucking factions a year and a half ago. Whatever. Their coordination's a little bit off. They're sloppy friends. It's okay. Either way, we're going to see that next week, and then Kurt Angle says, man, I am a really good manager, or GM, or whatever the fuck. Anyways, Chris, how'd you like the last match, and what's going to happen next week? Uh, I thought it was a decent match, and it made sense, booking standpoint, on what they're trying to do. So, from that standpoint, it was fine. Uh, Rollins versus Reigns, it's intriguing just because of their history. But other than that, it, you know, knowing it's going to be a short match and it's probably going to end in another DQ kind of ruins it. So I, I think that that match will probably go on early. Reigns will be pissed, and then he'll come out and interfere in Balor's match, and that's kind of how next week is going to go. So I you can go ahead and pencil those predictions in. What I mean, if- my thing about these is it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter who wins these matches because they're all going to end in DQ. The only clean finish that like was uh, that any of these guys had was Finn Balor. Well, all right. So if if Balor if, if Baylor beats both Wyatt and Joe clean next week, do you think that that might be a bigger indication that they're pushing him? Uh, no, because in WWE logic, if he wins against both of them, they're gonna attack. They should. They. I mean, in theory, if they're heels, they should go after him first in the in the five-way match and take him out completely, which if he wins, I would assume that he's losing at the paper. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right. How did you feel about this, Juwan? Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the match, but as far as uh, the announcement for next week, um, I don't think it'll finish clean. Um, I hope it does. Because, like I said, it didn't go to my theory of, you know, Finn Balor, you know, uh, getting the chance to face Brock and becoming a Heyman guy and the new champ. Um, I kind of want to disagree with you, Chris. I don't think that if he wins clean, that means he won't uh, walk out of Extreme Rules, um, uh, you know, successful. I think um, they've been waiting for an opportunity to rebuild him to where they got him. Uh, before his match with uh, Seth Rollins about a year ago, and I think this is his moment to regain it. Um, And I think if you don't give it to him now, um, it's a huge mistake. If you keep trying to make Roman Reigns work on people, uh, it'll only further uh, the fans' frustration, and they'll really take it out on him, and I don't necessarily think he deserves it. 
So continuously pushing him when no one wants him, you know, as the champion, especially over Finn Balor, I I don't see them making that mistake again, especially with Finn Balor being fully back, um, completely healthy. This is his chance to reclaim um, his title. If not reclaim his title, at least be in the conversation um, as far as being able to – you know, um, challenge Brock Lesnar for the title, even if he doesn't win. But for you to miss out on this opportunity, I, I think it, it'd be a huge mistake for, for WWE. I feel like they're honestly going to give the win to Seth Rollins, and then they'll build Balor against Joe or Balor against Reigns and try to build him that way. That's just my personal opinion on what they're pro- the, the route they're probably going to go. And I don't see Brock dropping the title at great balls of fire. I just don't. I, he's booked for more dates, and I just assume that they're going to carry that out until they can get that Braun Strowman-Lesnar match off. Well, I, I think I, I could see them using Balor later on to go against Brock, maybe even when he doesn't have the title. Um, I would like to see him have it, but I think they are going to do a little bit of building. And I really think that maybe Bray Wyatt screws Balor uh, Balor out during the match, uh, you know, at the pay-per-view, and that causes a tension between the two of them going forward so we can see that program. That would be really cool. Um, I'd like to see him with title, but I'm kind of at the point where it's like, that's what I would like WWE to do, so therefore they're not going to do it. Um, so, so, anyways, I mean, um, what were you going to say, Juwan? No, I was just going to say, so then are we, are, are, are we going to go with the idea of, like, um, Balor versus um, possibly Samoa Joe, Reigns versus Rollins, and then you have um, Wyatt versus Lesnar for Wyatt to lose, only to say that, you know, he's bringing his monster in to do his bidding, and then Strowman comes back and, like, this huge, this huge pop versus Lesnar. That, to me, would make the most sense, because you wouldn't have Rollins, Joe, Balor or Reigns win just to lose and then for Strowman to come back to take that spotlight. Wyatt seems like the the most suitable fall guy out of all of them. I kind of see that Rollins... I love those ideas. And then uh, from there it would be, you know, I mean it can even be because of Bray Wyatt and then you get the Finn Balor-Bray feud. That's kind of where I think they're going to go with That'd be interesting. These are all great ideas. I wish that we booked this all stuff. Anyways, um, I know, Joan, you said that you did not watch SmackDown, so I think you're going to be leaving us at this point. Uh, why don't you say goodbye yeah. to uh, Chris and the audience out there in uh, Geek Vibe Nation? All right, Geek Vibes Nation. Um, sorry, I did miss SmackDown, but I will be back next week for um, all But um <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> Love talking with uh, with Dane and Chris, and I will definitely be back next week. Yeah, God forbid he missed like two hours of this sixteen hour extravaganza of wrestling. This week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you not including Super Juniors. Um, yeah, it's like, well, it's like watching not... thousand episodes of a Netflix show or some shit. Um, Jesus, this thing was a marathon. Yeah, sweet soap opera acting. Um, Anyways, but uh, Juwan, you have a good night, buddy. We're gonna keep on going. All right, guys. See you, man.
All right, so let's let's go into SmackDown and attack it. Uh, show opened with Shane McMahon coming out to make some announcements about the upcoming Money in the Bank pay-per-view. He said that Randy Orton would be invoking his rematch clause, but apparently AJ Styles never was able to, and will challenge Jinder Mahal for the WWE Championship. He then introduced the five participants in this year's Money in the Bank ladder match. AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, and then, at one point, Kevin Owens came out, and everyone's like, you're the U.S. champion, what the fuck do you want? Comes out, Shane notes, hey, you're not actually in this, uh, and then puts off the fifth participant, Shinsuke Nakamura. He comes to the ring. Uh, Kevin Owens is pissed off about it because of the fact that he actually won his match the other night, and for some reason they add him into it, which I'm definitely, that's fine. Uh, this match will be that much more ridiculous. Uh, Owen took some issue with some of the participants in Money in the Bank and accused uh, Shane of favoritism. Uh, he That made him the sixth member. Corbin said no one else stands a chance against him, so Shane may as well give him the briefcase now. The others took exception to that and rebutted. Shane made a rematch between Sammy Zayn and Baron Corman and made the main event a tag team match with Ziggler and Owens against Styles and Nakamura. The biggest deal about this is after their long feud, um, Styles and Nakamura, this is the first time they've ever tag teamed together. Kind of cool. Anyways, Chris, how did you feel about the opening segment? I liked it. Styles was hilarious. He, he said uh, Owens was WWE's version of Eric Cartman. I don't know if you caught that or not, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I did. Is it someone called Sami Zayn Rudy. I don't remember who. Corbin. Corbin called him Rudy, which is funny. Um, so they built some feuds off this. What's kind of weird is, okay, so Owens is going to be in this match, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I was just making sure because the whole, when they start talking about the U.S. title thing, I even wrote down notes. I was like, so wait, is Owens going to be in it because he's the champion or, so it's kind of weird. They're not defending that title. It would have been interesting if they did both. If they're like, not only is the Money in the Bank ladder match, but if you want to be in it, your title's on the line or something kind of crazy that like that. That would have been great. Um, but, uh, so I think they missed opportunity there, but I thought it was fine. Nakamura was, was decent uh, in this spot, considering the people that were in the ring with him. Styles was the highlight for me as far as the mic goes um, in this segment. But I thought everybody kind of held their own. It was, uh, it was pretty good. I'm actually really okay with Dolph Ziggler being a part of it, because I know he's not going to get it. Oh, God, knock on wood. Uh, but I think that when it comes to ladder matches, obviously he's a highlight, and I don't have a problem with him transitioning. And I also like the fact that they're taking these feuds and extending them and probably ending them with this one match after one person claims that briefcase, which I'm really looking forward to. It kind of sucks that Raw isn't, like they can't make, uh, whatchamacallit, Money in the Bank, a co-company event like, you know, Survivor Series and a lot of the other big ones. Uh, so we could have one for Raw and one for SmackDown. But I get what they do, and they're, they're trying to keep their flavor in different places. That sounds strange. Anyways, let's keep on going. All right, so um, we had another wonderful scene going in the commercials of a hallway scene where Becky Lynch and Naomi are walking, and then they bump into Charlotte Flair, and then they all walk together like, we're kick-ass divas. I don't really know what the fuck WD is going for with that, but anyways, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair defeated 
Carmella and Natalia. James Ellsworth attempted to interfere, but Naomi kicked him off the apron, kicked the shit out of him, allowing Lynch to lock the disarmor on Carmella and get the submission. Um, and then after that, we had another match with Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin. Zayn instantly rolled up Corbin, who wasn't paying attention, and pinned him in less than a minute. Corbin then went berserk and destroyed Zayn, uh, like Zayn hasn't been destroyed 6,000 times by Strowman like this, but just knocked him around the whole entire arena until he got carried off on a stretcher. How did you like these two matches, Chris? Oh, well. Uh, the first match I thought was okay. It makes sense. They're extending this feud. Um, doesn't mean I really like it. Charlotte has kind of became boring as a baby face, unfortunately, for me at least. Um, Becky got the win with the disarmor, from what I recall. She needed that, so that that's good for her. So that that match itself was fine. The Sami Zayn, Barry Cor- Baron Corbin thing, um, it made sense. Once again, Sami Zayn gets a win that maybe wasn't deserved. Like, they keep playing up the fact that he shouldn't be beating Baron Corbin. So you, you would think that Baron Corbin's eventually going to get uh, one over on Sami. So I think they're just doing this to build up Sami Zayn so that when Corbin does beat him, it seems like a bigger deal. So that's kind of how I felt about those two matches. I don't know if you had any feelings on them, but that's kind of where I was. No, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I was happy that Sammy got the win, but I, I think the same thing. They're, they're trying to give uh, Sammy a couple more layers until they break him down for Corbin, which I guess if they got to do that, they got to do that. But, uh, you know, we didn't actually talk about this, and we should talk about this now. Money in the Bank. Who do you think is going to win it? Actually, two questions. Who do you want to see win it, and who do you think will actually win it? Unless they're the same person. Uh, I would like to see Kevin Owens win it. And who I think is going to win it is probably Baron Corbin. Oh, that's the worst choice. Whoever wins it doesn't necessarily have to go after the title right away. So it's one of those things where... They'll probably end the Sami Zayn-Baron Corbin feud by Baron Corbin beating Sami Zayn at Money in the Bank. So Zayn's about to get the win. Corbin slams him off the ladder or something like that and gets the win. And then Kevin Owens and AJ Styles take themselves out, similar to what Zayn and Kevin Owens did at the last Money in the Bank, which was take each other out of the equation. So I'm assuming they'll probably book it similar to that, and Baron Corbin will go over, unfortunately. Um, Dolph is probably just going to do he's there for ladder spots and uh, Nakamura I don't think they want to give him that money in the bank just yet I think they might try to give him a title run before then and they'll probably hold off on money in the bank for later down the road well well, my thing with with Shinsuke is I I can't see him and maybe he would be able to maybe he would walk the whole entire way or dance I can't see him running out follow suit with the whole suitcase and doing that whole shtick I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it would be something that he would do. I guess if he if, if he had to, I think that I think that it's going to be Seth Rollins. Um, but I would like it not Seth Rollins. What am I talking about? Hey, my my show's mixed up. I I I think that it's going to be AJ Styles. But I would love it if Sami Zayn somehow won it. I I would probably go like be like completely shocked the most if Sami won or Nakamura. Um, but we'll have to wait and see and then be completely pissed off when they do exactly what you said and put Baron Corbin in the fucking lead. It would be cool if if Sami Zayn won it and somehow, if they wanted to give it to Baron Corbin, let Sami Zayn win it and have that moment and then him put 
the money in the bank on the line or something and then lose it. Oh, Sammy, they generally don't like do to, it. They generally – that would be a good storyline, um, but they also generally tend to put these things on heels because winning with the money in the bank normally is a, is a heel-ass move with the exception of, like, you know, I think John Cena – same thing with Nakamura. If Nakamura did it, he probably would just straight trade it in for a contract match as opposed to doing the run down to the ring and stealing the win. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right. Uh, so uh, afterwards, um, we see a wonderful drumming act that I think was actually fucking up. I'm a drummer. Even though I know Indian culture have weird drumming patterns, just seemed like someone was screwing up a little bit. But anyways... The Punjabi celebration for Jinder Mahal with the Singh brothers and people dancing of him becoming the Maharaja and the WWE champion. He said everyone doubted him, but he proved them wrong. He said that everyone looked at him and judged him for the way he looked, but he proved them wrong. And he celebrated this title for India, a place where I think he said three billion people live and love him. He finished the celebration by speaking. And Punjabi then posted, posed with the title as fireworks went off. <coughs> um, yeah. Chris, did you enjoy the Punjabi celebration for the Maharaja? It was fine. Um, my, the only weird thing about this was this was almost the whole second hour or 30 minutes of the second hour. This seemed like this was a forever thing. And there was literally it was a long time. There was two matches on this entire show. When you really think about it, so um, yeah, I, I, I no, not really, just because of how long it was, and I prefer to see wrestling on my wrestling shows. So, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm also not really looking forward to this uh, this match. There, like that was like the whole first hour was those two matches that were like. One was 20 seconds, one was like five minutes, and then there was this. And then there's a couple matches after, but they're they're all really short. Really, really short. Um, like under a minute. So it's kind of crazy. Um, man, I, I don't know where they're going with this thing. you got to assume that he's going to beat Orton again. And I don't know what what the hell they're going to do with the title is, from there. Who's gonna do you think Jinder Rusev Mahal, is going to get involved? I feel like Rusev is setting up for a, main, a match against Shane McMahon. Yeah, that's um, right. Based, they have based to based on that. what he's been saying and, and kind of how his character has been played out of, like, he's been getting screwed over the entire time. And maybe they do go that route. It means you would have to turn Rusev's face, which would be kind of weird. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'd be really weird to have, you know, the mad Bulgarian versus the mad Indian guy. <laughs> As opposed to so being tag got, team partners and winning titles. Uh, yeah, they got a turn. They got a t- one of them's got a turn, you would think. But then, like the the next two matches, like with the Usos, I think are both like like twenty seconds apiece as well. They were all about fast matches this week in general on in wrestling. Speaking about fast matches, we got a whole entire fast match segment with the Usos and Brazongo. So basically, uh, in the backstage, Shane's whole entire office had, like, it was it was set up like, you know, 
uh, Brazongo's uh, whereabouts, their, their their headquarters. And at one point, like Shane looked at uh, at Fandango and was like, "You understand, you're really not a cop." And he goes, "Oh, that's what my father said." Like I just love that the fact that they had squirt, squirt guns. He's like, "You guys have loaded ammunition," and they just had squirt guns on them and shit. Like I I just think it's hilarious. So. Shane gives him, like, a pep talk to get him the hell out of his office, and they go out, and he calls out two matches, uh, one with Tyler Breeze and Jey Uso, and Fandango with Jimmy Uso. Tyler Breeze defeated Jey Uso very quickly. Jey was complaining about having to wrestle Brazongo again when Fandango sprayed him from behind with the water pistol. Jey went after Fandango and Breeze, rolled him up, and pinned him in seconds. After that, Fandango defeated Jimmy Uso, Breeze, taunted Jay on the outside with fuzzy handcuffs. Jay chased Tyler into the ring, distracting Jimmy and allowing Fandango to roll him up for a pin. Brazongo then challenged the Usos for the tag title match, and the Usos accepted and said, let's do it right now. I love how the ref had to go out and find a phone to call Shane McMahon and uh, all the guys in the back and ask them if there was, you know, permission, basically. All right, so the match happened after the commercial break. SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Usos defeated Brazongo uh, after a pretty decently long match compared to all their other stupid segments. Fandango didn't see a blind tag and, and hit the last dance leg drop on Jimmy Uso. Jesus splashed him immediately to get the pin and retained the titles. So how, how did you like this whole buildup? And do you think that this whole thing is over between Brazongo and the Usos, or has it just begun? I kind of feel like that they're going to – I think this might be over because the, the next pay-per-view is so far away that they'll probably just end it on TV or somehow insert the New Day. I think they're going to move on from Brazongo. Um, I think you'll still see more of the fashion files, though. It kind of sucks they're treating these guys as like a comedy duo now because when you're good at comedy in the WWE, even if you're a good wrestler, you're going to get stuck just doing comedy. So I feel like that's kind of where they're at. Um, the tag match itself was fine. It was just more of the same that we saw, pretty much. On um, the Usos, they kind of always get that win. They, that's like their uh, that's like their Rock and Roll Express comeback almost, but it's not really a comeback. It's like they went off someone else's finisher, which is always kind of weird, but it works. Um, the Shane McMahon thing, I, I don't, I, I think I missed that, so I'm not going to speak on it. I'm not 100% sure. I think it had something to do with the women on SmackDown, but I, I didn't catch it. Oh, that's the next thing, actually. Uh, the five uh, non-champions in the women's division complained to Shane McMahon backstage until he announced next week would be an elimination fatal five-way match to determine the number one contender. And uh, basically, I love the fact that Becky Lynch, even she's like, I used to be champion, even though I lost the match for my team two nights ago. All of them lined up, and they wanted a uh, number one contender shot, so he's going to make a five-way elimination match, which I'm glad it's elimination. They don't do that enough uh, for number one contender next week. Then we get to our last match. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens. Uh, pretty decent back-and-forth match. Everyone looked really good. Uh, finally, Nakamura hit King Shasha uh, on Owens and pinned him for the victory afterwards. Him and, o, him and AJ Styles posted up in the ring, and then they had a nice little stare down as the SmackDown, if you will, ended. Uh, how, how did you like the ending, Chris, to the show? I thought it was a. I thought I thought um, 
I thought it was pretty good, man. I thought the match itself was uh, kind of what I, I expected out of the tag match, but I, I really enjoyed it. And then it, the the finish was – I thought the finish was pretty cool. And uh, it was weird that, like, at the end, I think Nakamura was, like, dancing and Styles just, like, was staring at him, which was kind of funny. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I appreciated it. I liked it. I thought it was good stuff. So that was a lot of wrestling, um, my lord. And like I said, I watched Two Five Live, and also we were talking about that uh, the um, the show that they did in the UK too on Friday. So there's been a lot of wrestling. Before we go, uh, Chris, what's going on? Uh, do you have any updates with uh, the tournament for New Japan, and uh, what's going on with like you know when they're doing that over here? I know they had a press conference uh, for the. Uh... For the G1? The G1 and their new it, United States champion. There's a new United States championship belt that's been announced. They got photos of it. Uh, it will be live on Access. So if you don't have uh, New Japan World, the streaming service, it will be on Access TV at 7 o'clock. Um, no, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, sorry. It's going to be... Uh, I think they're they're going to do it in segments, so it's a little weird on how they're going to do that. So you're probably going to want to look it up just to be – actually, you know what, I'll post it right now to uh, the Geek Vibes Facebook page so you guys can check that out. Um, and then if you have New Japan World, you're going to have to wait the following day to watch it before it posts. So you won't be able to watch it live on there as far as I can tell. Um, as far as the tournament goes – the highlights have been uh, the current tournament, the Super uh, Juniors. Um, the highlights of that have been the Ricochet-Will-Osprey match, which uh, everyone has seen um, probably clips of at this point, at least, if you're following wrestling. And then um, the Kushida match, which I believe I sent to you yesterday, some of the highlights from that has been great. And then the uh, other highlight yeah. is NATO just running around throwing his title belt, which is been an ongoing thing for a while now, but it's pretty damn great. Um, Did Stan Hansen do the same shit? Probably. Kushida versus Bushi. That was from yesterday, or that was from uh, Monday. So check that out. There's some good stuff. uh, Go go check out the current tournament they got going. Um, Justin Thunderliger's last tournament, he is officially out. Uh, And that's about where I'm at. I haven't caught up on it because of all the WWE. Unfortunately, I'm still just trying to make my way through that entire tournament, but it's been really good thus far. Uh, as far as the America stuff, like I said, that starts July 1st. It's going to be on Access. Um, I believe that Jim is Ross might J-R- be doing commentary. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's, uh, it's one of the first live events that we've had on TV. It's, uh, so if you don't have access, you can always catch it on New Japan World, um, which is eight ninety nine a month. Uh, there's tons of great stuff on there, like we talked about last week. So plenty, plenty of cool stuff to check out coming up with uh, New Japan. And we're probably, I think it's already been signed from what I read. This could be just a rumor, so don't flame me if I'm incorrect. But I'm pretty sure I saw that it's confirmed you're going to have Okada versus, uh, God, Omega, Omega Part 2. Okada versus Omega Part 2. So that's going to be the big, the big baller match. Um, here in the U.S., so we'll see what they do with the U.S. title. That's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and paste that. Uh, no, it's, it's nice to see that they're bringing a little bit of American flavor over here. I wonder how long until WWE's like, we're going to see what Japan has. We're going to make a show in Japan. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. That would be pretty scary. Hey, let me ask you, okay? Um, since he's been all over the news, and I don't want to talk about all the stupid bullshit uh, of him fighting with, like, reality TV stars. I know that you're not the biggest CM Punk fan, Chris, but if he were, realistically, to come back to wrestling, between him going back to WWE, for whatever reason, going back to Ring of Honor, or going to New Japan, which is talked about, you know, fondly uh, recently, which one do you think is actually more of an opportunity to happen? As many people have said things and left WWE on bad terms and ended up coming back for that paycheck, I think the most likely would be WWE, even for like a one-off event. Um, The amount of money Vince is able to provide to these people um, on these short-term contract deals is insane in itself. So I think if he wanted to do something, it would probably be in WWE. Now, personally, I would love to see him do a New Japan match with like an Okada or uh, a NATO or um, Omega, of course. Um, Maybe even Adam Cole or someone like that. I think think there's a lot of cooler stuff that he could do in New Japan if he wanted to go back to his roots and have one of those Ring of Honor 30, 40 minute matches that kind of he kind of cut his teeth on. Uh, But honestly, you know, that the WWE paycheck, that's that shit's no joke. And, you know, he patched, he's patched up things with tons and tons of wrestlers over the years that no one thought he was ever going to do business. Vince was ever going to do business with again and and made it happen. So that would be, if I thought he was going to go anywhere, that's where I think he would end up. Well, just thought I'd ask you because it was in my head. Same thing with like someone like, uh, you know, everyone wants to know what Daniel Bryan's going to do. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I just don't think, honestly, with him, I think it's a little bit different. I think now that he had his kid, even if it was multiple doctors outside of WWE one telling him that he can wrestle outside his concussion and he's been working on this animalistic style, um, I think things have changed. Uh, if anything, maybe Ring of Honor for a couple matches, and that's about it. I don't, like, when we're talking about this, I don't want to go to Japan. Um uh, what about Daniel Bryan to you? If he were to actually come out of retirement, which which out of the two? I I don't think either one of them is going to TNA, so I'm not even choosing that as an option. I If he was going to come out of retirement and do one more match, hopefully it would be in the WWE and be against someone that's a safe worker like a John Cena. If he was going to do a match in Ring of Honor, I'd probably pick someone like Jay Lethal, um, someone that's going to take care of him in the ring mainly, but yeah. I honestly don't think he's going to come back. I think he's, my main worry is like the guy gets back in the ring and then you have a Shibata incident or something. Maybe not something as bad, but you know, Jim. Yeah. That if he didn't go forward, he wouldn't have to worry about it, but he decided to do that one last match. But anyways, let's, uh, let's end the show now. Uh, Chris say goodbye to our wonderful public. And uh, thanks once again for joining me like always and uh, enjoy some more wrestling. All right, man. Everybody out there in Geek Vibes, Geek Vibe Nations, have a good week. Yeah, we're going to keep on keeping on over here and just play a little bit of music to close out the show. And um, 
There's actually a cool article I posted if you guys want to find. Randy Savage and a storyline that he was supposed to do with Shawn Michaels, but he doesn't send it to that. You guys have a good one. <laughs> 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 <laughs>